What animal would you be cursed to be? Maybe like a dog. What would you be cursed to be? I don't know. I guess it depends on if my choice would be something like a cat, of yeah. course, right? That makes sense. But that you don't really choose your curse. It's a curse. So it's something you wouldn't want. So is it something that describes who you most fear you are? Mm. I don't know. Or else I'd just be a cute little kitty. Yeah. My spirit is that of a cat. True. Very true. I long to be a cat. I think... Although, no, I don't think my spirit is that of a cat. No? Cats are like nonchalant and they're cool. I'm worried about everything. You're very cool. Oh, thank you. Not as cool (laughs) as a cat. (laughs) I think you'd be one of those cats with like leopard spots on it. Oh, that's the dream. Yeah. That's my retirement plan. Or Maine Coon. Oh, that that cat's too tough for me. (laughs) That's a tough cat. And then you'd be a little golden retriever puppy. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of I Love This, You Should Too. My name is Indy Gattonero Randawa, and with me is Samantha Kanya Giallo Randawa. What What do those mean? I'm the black cat and you're the yellow dog. Oh, nice. Because you like golden retrievers. I do. I do. I think that's what that means. Uh, Someone who actually speaks Italian will know better. Well, in case that didn't give you enough of a hint, today we are talking about the 1992 animated feature from Hayao Miyazaki, Porco Rosso. Mm -hmm. So we are going to get into things right away here and... How the podcast works, we take turns picking something that the other person has not seen or probably wouldn't watch on their own, something that you love, and I loved this movie, and I brought it to Samantha for her first watching ever, and so far I've had good luck with all the Miyazakis I've brought to you. You've enjoyed all of them. So, our latest venture. I love this movie. Did you? I'm going to say it's like an 8 out of 10 for me. So is that a yes or a no? Uh, I liked it a lot. (laughs) The classic Sam answer. But then when pushed, you'll also say that 8 out of 10 is love. (laughs) It's a, yeah, I don't know. I I liked it. It was fun. Um, It was like cute and it had a nice story. I don't think I loved it as much as like My Neighbor Totoro. Well, not everything can be Totoro. Exactly. What about Kiki? Less than Kiki? Less than Kiki. More or less than Spirited Away? Um, less. Okay, so this is your fourth yeah. favorite Miyazaki now. I think so. And it is one that is not as highly regarded mm-hmm. by most people, but it's one that I like a lot because it is kind of an outlier And it is a movie that brings a lot of disparate elements together, and that's what makes it kind of strange and makes me love it, I think. So let's go a little bit about Mm -hmm. how this movie was made. First, this was going to be a short cartoon that was going to be shown on air on uh, Japanese Airlines flights. That's all it was going to be for. Oh, fun. And then Miyazaki being Miyazaki just kept making it bigger and bigger and bigger (laughs) until it was this feature that has anti-war sentiments, these ideas of what masculinity means, and you can't just give him a a simple project. He's like, no, everything's going to be... Everything's huge. Everything's its own world. (laughs) Yeah. And it really is. I like that Miyazaki explores things that 
a lot of children's movies do, but in a way that they don't. Like, the environmentalism of something like Spirited Away is a lot more nuanced and complex than, like, oh, here's a guy who has a big factory and we're going to shut him down and save the planet and now we're happy. It has so much more to it, so much more kind of real-world nuance. And here, his take on war with Porco Rosso is is much the same. It's not just, um, hey, peace is good and war is bad. <laughs> it's dealing with people who have to live under this threat of war, people who have gone through it and what that is doing to them. Yeah. Yet still, it's a very kind of childish movie in a lot of ways. Yeah. I found the subject matter of this movie kind of a departure from the Miyazaki that we've watched because this is kind of like a a real world situation whereas the other Miyazaki movies that we've watched are very like insular in their world building. Yeah, those ones you can say yeah, it's Japan, but it's yeah. not a specific time and it place could be nearly as much. Anywhere anytime kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And this one is very much a real world place because the people in this movie fought in world war one world war one has happened in this movie right and i know the world wars are often a specter that looms over a lot of miyazaki's work but here it's so much more at the forefront and i think it's because this seems to me like miyazaki's maybe most personal movie Mm -hmm. and it's weird because this is a movie about a flying pig right but i think that's true with the possible exception of the wind rises is that what it's called i haven't seen it in a while but you haven't seen that one yet but that is a kind of a a biopic but it's animated okay so that's an interesting one as well but miyazaki of course is obsessed with flight and it figures prominently in almost all of his movies but here more than the rest. So that's part of it. But we'll get into all of that soon. How about just the setting of this one? How it looked? We talked about it being real world for the first time. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really cool um, how it like looked and where it was set. Because it is very much like real world. But also still like Miyazaki insular. It's still kind of fantastic. Maybe not fantastic. Yeah. Because it is realistic, but it's just beautiful. Everything he does is it beautiful. Is, yeah. And I found it really interesting that like he wasn't in like Milan for very long, but he was in his little island hideout and where um like Gina's hotel and like those are places that like don't really exist in the real world. So it felt like a Miyazaki movie because he was using these places that like weren't the epicenter of World War II. And also all of those places are on the outskirts of society and all Mm -hmm. of our characters are kind of outsiders from society as well. Yeah. And then the flight scenes, those are just gorgeous to me. Oh, they're gorgeous. Everything we talk about in the previous episodes we've done on Miyazaki movies about his moments of ma that uh, that stillness that silence where moments mm-hmm. can land and you can kind of reflect on things and that's what happens anytime someone is in a airplane there are of course those big battles and everything in the sky but there's so many times where they'll just have an almost silent shot of this plane going across the sky and then when it catches the sun you get that little glint mm-hmm. and then it just keeps on moving 
And those moments of stillness and silence are, I think, some of the most beautiful. Yeah, the flying scenes are really fun. Um, And then there's also a scene kind of closer to the beginning of the movie where they're flying. They're showing where Porco Rosso and the pirates are flying. And you can see just like some fun things in the background, which is kind of fun thing that Miyazaki does oh that little kind of map yeah there's like a whale and like there's just like little things happening in the background throughout the movie and I think it's kind of a fun thing that he throws in there for you and then all of that is scored by this wonderful score I love the score at least what do you think of it oh I think it's beautiful I love all of Miyazaki's scores so this one was uh, Joe Hisaishi, who I you actually know because I that's kind of our bedtime music sometimes. We've been listening to it a lot lately. Yeah, yeah. I like it. It's very calming, um, and it's beautiful and kind of um, complex. Yeah, <laughs> and simple at the same time. Like yeah. like so much of this movie, a, a bit of a contradiction in terms. But mm-hmm. he does some great piano work, and when it is silent and then comes up and swells in those mm. emotional moments. That's like when I think it's at its best. Oh, yeah. I um, I really love the music that goes along with this. And it definitely does a good job of like putting you in the like atmosphere and the scene of the moment. Well, I have a bunch of notes here. I don't know about <laughs> you. Where do you want to start? Do you want multiple choice? Sure. We can talk a little bit about romance. Okay. And then that can go into um, like masculinity and uh-huh. stuff like that. And eventually we're just going to have to talk about Porco himself. Right. And why is he a pig? Yeah. Do you know? Do you have some theories? Maybe. We'll come to we'll those. We'll get to <laughs> it. Uh, let's start at romance. I love the romance of this movie. This is mm-hmm. a romantic movie. And how did that work for you? It took me a minute to like figure out... That Porco Rosso was like, everybody could see that he was a pig. Right. Because it's, it's, it's odd. But also that he was a human at one point. Right. Right. So it's not uh, like, it's not a world where some people are just pigs. It's like there was like a thing that happened that made him into a pig. Yeah. So that took me a minute to figure out. But um, I really enjoyed... The, like, kind of underlying romance between Gina and Porco. And not even just romance in the sense of romantic comedy or romance novels, but, like, kind of the capital R romance of these people who are full of longing and of desire. And Mm -hmm. a lot of that time, it is about romantic love. And the romantic love I liked because it's, it's so different from each person and how they express that romantic love is very indicative of who they are like gina for instance has this kind of forlorn longing and then Theo, who is a teenager she has a more immature kind of crush on porco she mm-hmm. doesn't have like a true love she has a crush on him and uh, a certain admiration of course yeah she definitely seems like she's kind of in awe of him yeah and she also has that kind of fairy tale love because she's talking about like, oh, if I kiss you like a frog, you'll turn into a human, right? Right, yeah. So she's very immature. And then Curtis has a different kind of in- immaturity. He has this like Hollywood type and a very chauvinistic type mm-hmm. of romance as well because to him, women are something to be kind of conquered and won. Yeah. So as soon as he meets Gina, he offers to 
marry her right away. Yeah. And then he tries to marry Theo and she's like, no. So then he tries to win her as a prize. Right. Um, I found him really interesting because I kind of expected Porco to be like the macho kind of one. Mm -hmm. And he's not. He's very like kind of sat in his ways and like happy with his life. And then, uh, yeah, you have uh, Curtis come in and it's very like, oh, like macho guy who's like used to winning all the time. And that's kind of what I was expecting from Porco. But it was really interesting to have like his kind of antagonist be that. And I think Porco may be not happy with his life, but perhaps resigned to it. Mm-hmm. And then his type of love is, well, he, he he avoids it. He doesn't feel he deserves it. Right. I think that's why he's avoiding it. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely think that he feels like this transformation that he's undergone makes him like unworthy of Gina or anybody to like truly love him. Or is it the other way around? Has he undergone this transformation because he feels so unworthy and now his outside ex- appearance is showing that? Whoa, maybe. That's what, that's what <laughs> kind of what I think. That's my big thing about why he's a pig. Huh. You said that you were expecting Porco to be this more um, macho, hyper-masculine guy that Curtis is. Yeah. But we get those things from him, but not wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Like, he'll just say things like, Oh, I'm a, it's because I'm a pig. That's why I can't do that. Like, oh, right. yeah, of course I don't trust women. I'm a pig. Mm-hmm. Oh, all, all middle-aged men are pigs. So he's leaning into that. He's using this pig thing as an excuse. Right. And using it to help him distance himself because, I, because he doesn't want to be emotionally vulnerable, I think. Right. I was expecting him to be more of a maverick. Oh, more top. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like that's kind of when you said it was about like a pilot and that kind of thing. I was like, oh, I bet Porco Rosso is going to be like Maverick. I think Top Gun is actually a very good movie to compare this to. I think Casablanca is probably the number one. Mm. You've never seen that. No. Right? It's, it's very good. We'll have to watch it someday. Okay. But this is very Casablanca. But Top Gun is a good one as well. This kind of seems almost a response to Top Gun because Top Gun, I think, full out believes all of that masculine bravado. It's full in on it. Mm-hmm. While this one is kind of tearing that down and showing you how silly it is because Curtis is more the maverick in this, right? Right, yeah. And that's what threw me, for sure. Well, let's let's talk about all of that um, masculinity and gender roles in this okay. one because that's a lot of fun too. Like, for instance, when his plane, which is uh, Porco's most cherished object, uh, yeah. most cherished part of his whole life, really, it seems. Well, it's his whole job and, like, identity. Yeah. And it's kind of a symbol of his masculinity, and other mm-hmm. people are using it like that, for sure. Their planes that way. And then it's being built and perfected by women, while in that scene, he's sitting there and taking care of a baby. Yeah. Like, I love that as well. It makes you look at the old nostalgic narratives like like your Top Guns and question them a bit. Because Porco starts off as a a male chauvinist. He says, well, I don't want a woman touching my plane. Right. Where are the men? Women can't be engineers. But this movie definitely does not take that no. point of view. Because you, the only capable characters really in this movie are Gina and Theo. Yeah. And all of the like 
aunts and moms and stuff who build his plane. I thought that whole scene of him in the in the garage. Is it a garage if it's a plane? Hangar? Hangar, I guess, yeah. Something like that. Um, that whole scene of the women doing men's work and him doing what is like stereotypically like women's work uh, was like a great way to kind of flip that whole stereotype on its head. And then when he is watching a movie, the movie is about this like evil pig and then, I don't know, like a mouse or whatever stops him and gets the girl. And that's kind of the expectation of what this uh, movie should be, what a more simple version of this movie would be. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't notice the movie. And Porco doesn't like it, but that guy who comes in says like, oh, it's a good movie. Oh, okay. That's funny. That I totally missed that part, but that's like perfect. (laughs) But this movie, Porco Rosso itself, is kind of more concerned with taking away the power of those like traditional masculine feminine power dynamics mm-hmm. like the pirates are concerned about whether or not those little girls can swim porco refuses to shoot down other planes because it might kill someone he takes the care and effort to only shoot engines so he's not your traditional kind of do whatever it takes sort right. of guy shoot first ask questions later yeah no he was definitely very methodical in his ways because violence in this movie isn't haphazard like normally you would get in a like a, a th- those hyper masculine fighter pilot type movies like your top guns right mm-hmm. and then curtis when he gets a chance he's unable to shoot as well because i think his gun jams or something and then it just devolves into a straight fist fight <laughs> which is kind of like the masculine thing to do it's fighting with your bare hands but here it's not glorious at all it's not these slow motion shots it's not people dodging out of the way and making the fighting look cool it's just these people smashing each other and their faces get so disgustingly distorted that it shows how how gross and stupid these acts of violence are and i found it really interesting that like it wasn't super fancy fighting scene it was like them just giving everything they have left yeah and it's showing you that this violence is stupid, this war is stupid, mm-hmm. and it takes someone like Theo or Gina to come and talk some sense into these like <laughs> idiotic men a lot of the yeah. time. I do like when Gina flew in and like kind of stopped everything. <laughs> and she doesn't even come in and be like, hey, guys, break it up. Yeah. She just sits there and looks down at them. We're like, like, are you done yet? Really? Yeah. Really, guys? Come on. <laughs> Gina's a great character for someone who has so little screen time because she's not really in it that much. I really do like her. Yeah, I thought she was in it the right amount. Like, I felt like the balance of her being in it was great. Yeah, because I guess it's not really her story, but she is a very strong figure in it. Yeah. And she has uh, one scene that I thought was particularly heartbreaking because I think her now third husband has just died and they found yeah. his remains. And she says something like, I've been waiting to hear something for three years now and I can't even cry. I'm mm-hmm. just numb. And this is someone talking to a pig in a children's cartoon. Yeah. And that's that's what I mean about that dichotomy of like, yeah, here's a pig flying a plane. And then here is a woman who has lost so much that she can't even cry anymore. Yeah. It's harsh. And it shows you those those hardships of war without it being 
oh yes, all of my friends are being shot in this right. movie. It shows you the effects and how far reaching they are after the battle because yeah. there there hasn't been war in many years, but everyone is still feeling those mm -hmm. effects. And of course, we being in the time we're in, we know what's coming as well. So mm -hmm. that's that looming threat of uh, the fascism of it, of Italy and World War II coming is always there throughout this movie. Yeah, I appreciated that this wasn't like a war movie um, and that they didn't take like that way of telling this story. I think it would have been very un-Miyazaki to make like a war movie, I assume. It's interesting because... This becomes very clear when you look at the movies. So his father, and this is all off the top of my head of something I heard long ago, so mm -hmm. something might be wrong, but this is the basis of it. I believe his father was an airplane designer, which makes sense why right. he's so in love with it. I believe also Ghibli, the name is the name of an engine, of an airplane engine. That's what he oh, named his studio after. Interesting. But his father was an airplane designer or engineer. And then ended up having to make airplanes for Japan in World War II. Oh. And if you watch Miyazaki's movies or hear him talk about anything, he is very anti any sort of war. Mm. So him having to reconcile these things of beauty to him, these symbols of freedom being used to kill people is not easy. And I kind of think that this movie is kind of him trying to reconcile that because Porco, I kind of think, is a stand-in for Miyazaki mm -hmm. because Porco also, great pilot, loves the artistry of, of flight, of airplanes, of all of it. But he's not someone who is out for blood. Like no. He was a soldier. He fought yeah. in the war. But he's trying to do all he can to avoid it. Even in these instances where he's shooting down planes, he's trying his best and is successful in not actually mm -hmm. hurting any people. It kind of seems like he falls into the category of like draft dodger. Well, yeah, he has left yeah. now and he's wanted by the Italian army. Yeah, or so that's Air Force. like another really interesting thing to include in a children's movie. Yeah. Is the fact that he's like being hunted by the Italian army i guess mm -hmm. and that they want him back to do his job that he lost like a very very good friend doing but it's a kids movie <laughs> and if anyone out there isn't familiar this movie takes place between world war one and world war ii and over that time a fascist government takes hold of italy and leads them into world war ii and that's the period that this movie takes place mm -hmm. in and yeah, like you were saying, Porco is just kind of become disillusioned with mm -hmm. war and he is doing his best to leave a, live a life that is free of violence as much as he can. And I think that leads into these other villains. Like you were saying that he is wanted by the army. All of these pirates are as well. Mm -hmm. And those are kind of set up as the villains of this movie. We get right off the beginning... It's like you're a half hour into the movie as soon as it starts yeah. because they have uh, kidnapped this, I don't know, 15 school children. Yeah. And uh, first of all, I love that scene so much. Oh my so God, they're much. so cute. My note says, what a cute way to start the movie. So cute. But also they're being kidnapped. Yeah. But it is cute. It doesn't seem threatening ever. No. And they're like very careful with them. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, these are like babies basically 
And like, they're very, very careful with them. They don't do anything bad to them. And then they're like worried about them when they start jumping off the plane. And they're going, don't worry, we're from the swim team. Yeah, we belong to the swim club or whatever they oh, call I it. I love it. I love yeah. those kids so much. And they're just like, what's that? And they're kind of getting in the way yeah. of the machine guns. So. I love the like, when they keep flashing back to the pirates. And it's just like, they're just wreaking a different kind of havoc every single frame. And the pirates are just, why did we have to bring so yeah. many of them? <laughs> <laughs> and then the when they land and they have all their dresses like laid out on the wings of the plane. Yeah. <laughs> it was a very cute thing to include. And it kind of sets the tone for the movie that it's not going to be like a super serious movie. So what do you take away from that? These villains who are like, yeah, they're not so bad. Um, I think it's telling us that like the real villains aren't actually in this movie. Yeah. They're like lurking in the background looking at you Mussolini (laughs) yeah because it sets up these really simple hero and villain narrative at the beginning of hey we've kidnapped them and now you come and get them you're the hero we're the bad guys yeah but then you start seeing like well these bad guys aren't that bad they're not going to hurt them like Mm -hmm. they are they have done committed a crime obviously but they're not going to do anything the pirates just seem like such quaint villains yeah i mean porco gives them a loan at the end right he said like yeah you can keep some of the money i don't want you to be bankrupt it's an old school villain and hero dynamic and they're not truly evil when you're looking at the villains in comparison with the fascism Mm -hmm. that is on its way and the like huge war that's coming yeah it's like yeah i feel like porco's ready to like be like, you know what? I may need you in the future. And it may be like us against them at some point. So I feel like he's like kind of hedging his bets. <laughs> I feel like a lot of this movie is about him or this group of people being out of step with time. Mm-hmm. Because he clearly, like, you can take the pig to mean so many different things, but that could be one of the readings as well, that he is of a simpler time when you're heroes and villains would get into planes and shoot at each other and that was it Mm -hmm. and that kind of thinking doesn't prepare you for the atrocities of world war ii Mm -hmm. so this kind of more simple dynamic is is going to give way to what's coming and none of them are ready for it and porco may be the only one who is kind of aware of that and that's why he's doing his best to be outside of it altogether and just not have anything to Mm -hmm. do with it because he knows that that's not something he wants to take part in. Mm -hmm. Or maybe he's the one who knows about the realities of war because he has gone through and he has lost people. And he knows what's kind of coming or can assume what's coming. Yeah, the loan part's funny. There's a lot of emphasis on finances in this movie. Yeah, like Parker doesn't have enough money to pay for his plane. Yeah, so Theo has to come to like collect on the money. And then... All of those women were working on the plane because all the men have gone to look for work. And I guess this is kind of at the beginning of the Great Depression. So it's probably around then. So maybe that's it. And also closer to the time of the production of this movie in 92, Japan kind of was going through a little mini depression because they had their big big boom in the 80s and then had to deal with the sort of reckoning of everything not going according to plan later on. So maybe that's present in there. I'm not sure. The, The financial part was... 
was odd to me, but they all seemed really concerned about it. Yeah, and then at the end, you get more like, oh, um, there's this all this prize money and like splitting it at the end. Right. Which is kind of a funny way to end a movie where it's like kind of us against them. We'll just split the prize. It's fine. <laughs> but there's a bigger them out there, I guess. True. And that was what was really interesting was kind of feeling that looming the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it is definitely very intentionally present mm-hmm. all the time. So we both love Gina. What do you think about Theo? I thought she was like a fun addition. I thought she was maybe a little young for the role that she was playing. How so? Like, she seemed too much like a child. Well, yeah, she was. She was 17. Yeah, but like, I just felt like if she'd been a little bit older, everything would have made a little bit more sense. Acted older or being older? Being older. What would the difference be? I don't know. Like, it just seemed like, and maybe this is like of the time of like getting married younger and stuff. It just seemed odd to have people being like proposing to a 17 year old. Well, that is Curtis. Right. And he's a, just a big old creep. Yes. He is that symbol True. of, um, <laughs> like, he proposes to everyone yeah. and thinks he can win people as as objects. So True. I think that only says something about Curtis, not nothing about Theo. Mm. Theo, I think, is kind of your prototypical Miyazaki heroine. He has a long history of these young, plucky, strong, very competent women in his movies, or girls in a lot of the time, yeah. because they're usually much younger than this. But sure. she's just a, another another addition, and I love that she's a great um, aeronautical engineer. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed that part of her. I enjoyed how, like, can-do she was, mm-hmm. and how she didn't have a big, like, crisis of believing in herself. Like she was just very steadfast the entire movie. Yeah, and she has the skills and the knowledge to mm-hmm. back it up. She didn't have to go through the crisis of conscious of like, am I good enough? She's yeah. like, no, I'm good enough. Here it is. And she didn't have to do the bit of like, well, I'm going to be taking on a lot of those characteristics that are typically more stoic or masculine to to win someone's approval. She's like, no, I'm going to continue to be me. I'm going to continue to be like fun and carefree, but I am also super confident. Mm -hmm. Those two things don't have to be separated like they are in a lot of other characters. I thought she was a good opposite to Porco. Because it annoys me so often in movies when you want to make usually a younger woman competent in something that is a in a traditionally male dominated field you have to make them take on the characteristics of those types of men and Mm -hmm. i like that she doesn't she's just no i'm going to be me but who i am is someone who's great at building airplanes yeah i also loved her um kind of opposite to porco in that she's like young enough that she probably doesn't remember world war one and that she has this like kind of idyllicness to her where she's like seeing the good in people and um is just like allowed to be good at her job because she's never had to like do that job or else so i mean she doesn't she hasn't been jaded like yeah he has. and even how gina has yeah both of them are much more world wary mm-hmm. and she brings like a nice freshness and optimism to the mm-hmm. movie because that is a i think one of the best parts of this movie is how it is balancing the these real dark ideas and tones and thoughts of those two characters 
with the movie, which seems to be somehow quite optimistic at the end. Yeah. And I think Fio is the way the movie does that. So let's talk about Porco Rosso himself. And I was saying that I think he is a stand-in for Miyazaki because I, I've watched interviews with him and he's obsessed with planes but doesn't really have time for people who aren't. And I think that this is kind of how he fears people see him. Mm. He also draws sketches of, of all sorts of things because, you know, he's an artist. Yeah. And when he draws himself, he usually draws himself as a pig. Miyazaki does? Yes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I kind of think that it is based on him a lot. And like I was talking about earlier, that reckoning of how his family has a part in, in, in death by building those planes, but also his love for the planes themselves. And I think Porco himself is doing a, a very similar thing. Mm. Hmm. So why is he a pig? <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe, like you said about Miyazaki, like that's just what he sees himself as. Or what he fears other people see him as. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I didn't really like think a lot about why Porco's a pig, which is... Silly because that's, that's like kind the of the whole like, movie. <laughs> but it's not addressed very often. No. It is such a big part of the movie, but it's also such a small part of the movie. Yeah. There's like four or five lines every here and there, and they never really sit and talk about it ever. Yeah. It's just like you hear one line here and one line there, and you kind of have to figure it out you yourself. You kind of put together that he turned into a pig at one point. Yes. And they do use the word cursed. Right. I don't know why he's a pig. I think the one of the biggest things is it is a manifestation of his guilt. Right. And the survivor's guilt more than anything. Or that can be extended to um, that it's kind of his disillusionment with the world or the war, at least. And he was a former fighter pilot who's witnessed all of these horror, horrors and had a capacity for violence. But his transformation is maybe a way to distance himself. From those human destructive tendencies? Mm-hmm. Or I think more it's probably about his, his self-loathing. Because he survived and his friends didn't, mm-hmm. he has a lot of guilt about that. And I think it's probably more accurate to say that the guilt is manifesting itself in this physical appearance. Because he has lines like, it's always the good ones who die. Mm-hmm. And he's still alive. Right. So he's one of the bad ones. He always talks about how bad he is, but we never see him do anything bad. He always no. says like, oh, I'm just a pig. I don't do that. And I think that's a way of distancing himself from from all of the people, mm-hmm. stopping anyone from getting close to him in the same way that he's always wearing sunglasses. He just doesn't want anyone to come close and have that kind of window into who he really is. Right. So it's he like even blocks his mechanism. eyes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I think I agree with that. Um, I really liked the um, like visual of heaven being like a plane trail full of planes. Wasn't that so eerie? It was. But beautiful? Yeah, that's what I, eerie but beautiful. That's a perfect way to say it. Um, and I, I thought that it was really cool to see Porco like almost get there and then be sent back to Earth. And I think that part of the reason that he's so down on himself is because he's like, well, I wasn't good enough to go to heaven. And I'm cursed to be on this Earth. Mm -hmm. And without like my people, like my friends. 
or these pilots that I trained I with. I think he even has a line about talking about how this could be hell. Yeah. And that's, ooh, that's grim. Like yeah. that he, all of his friends have, have gone somewhere better, but he's been left behind mm -hmm. because he's a ghost. Ghosts. What if he was a ghost? Oh, he's a ghost the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I could see that. Because his friends all went up to heaven and he didn't make it. He's still stuck in this mortal coil. I think he's as a ghost. living his life like a ghost. He is. Um, until he meets... Uh, or until he sees Gina or um, goes to Milan and meets Fia's family. I think that's like the only time where he's not acting like a ghost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I loved that scene of all of those planes ascending. Because if you look at them, there are planes from all different countries and everything. Mm -hmm. And those are all the people that were lost in, in the war. So it's it's so heavy that way because you're seeing like, yep, that's the toll of war. There it goes. Yeah. And it was really interesting to see it, them in their planes too. Mm -hmm. And like them kind of ascending the way that they are is kind of like the visual that you get um, like at church of like someone ascending to heaven. Right. It's like what you'd imagine in like a, a ray of light. <laughs> so yeah, it was, uh, it was creepy for sure because you know that like all these people are dead. Um, and uh, But I think that was like a very powerful visual. It's maybe my favorite scene of it. It's mm -hmm. definitely one of the most beautiful ones. And just, yeah, so beautifully creepy. Mm -hmm. Beautifully creepy is the perfect way to put it. So I think it's somewhere in a combination of all of that, that he's someone who is out of step with the world. All of the people are going towards fascism and they think that's fine and he doesn't. And he's one of the people that just can't get on board with how things have gone. They also feel like war is a suitable option and then he clearly doesn't mm -hmm. but i think a lot of it has to do with that guilt or the way he sees himself mm -hmm. he sees himself as a pig and later if you watch the end credits we get to see all of these still photos of pigs at war <laughs> there's multiple pigs yeah that? yeah and there's like more people doing things that like Porco probably did. Um, but there's like, they're all pigs. <laughs> and that's kind of maybe saying that war makes animals out of humans. Whoa. That's a good way to put it. So I think a combination of all of those things mm -hmm. maybe is, is why he's a pig. Or you could just say that it, Porco himself is a metaphor for Italy, that this represents Italy's decline from this powerful nation to one that is now, or now in the movie's time, struggling with political and economic problems. Mm -hmm. Marco is what Italy was, and Porco is what Italy has become, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but probably all those other ones. <laughs> and isn't it interesting that at one point, Theo sees him as a human? Yeah. I think that that's just like her giving him like, a little bit of humanity back by believing in him. Yeah, because he has now been forced to care. Yeah. And it's about Theo. Yeah. Because he has agreed to go battle Curtis to save Theo. Mm -hmm. And it is a um, very cartoonish plot point. Like, you fight him and then you can save me. And they don't uh, shy away from that. That's exactly what it is. But... Him agreeing to do that is him kind of going back into that old kind of hero role mm -hmm. and being a part of it and not distancing himself. And 
just allowing himself to be close to someone for the first time in a long time. And I think Theo sees him as a man because he's not a pig to her. Mm -hmm. He says it all the time, like, oh, I don't do that. I'm just a pig. But he is showing that he is a, I don't know if you want to be like, he's a real man, but he's a real human at this point because he is showing that he is caring. And the other person is Gina, but Gina never sees him as a pig, but she's the only one that still calls him Marco. And then has a photo of him as a human. So those are the two people who are able to see past this like piggish facade Mm -hmm. that he's putting on and see who he really is. And that really is like a good stand-up human being. Yeah. I had just written down a few of my favorite lines, like when he's saying, is Porco Rosso dead or alive? Good question. (laughs) that's yeah that's just him being like yeah my life what is my life for anyways and then when someone asks him like are you ever going to break that curse on you marco and he says face it i'm a pig and he's just showing that he's unwilling to change but then of course through uh, his encounters with theo he's willing to and i love when he just says sorry baby gotta fly (laughs) (laughs) that was pretty sweet but of course, the best line is, I'd rather be a pig than a fascist. Yeah. I like that too. I'm going to make a shirt with him on it that says that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just a little plain on it. So how about the ending of this movie? Because it is maybe the second biggest point of contention or most ambiguous thing. First is, why is he a pig? And uh, what's that all about? And then second, <laughs> what happens at the end of this movie? Do you have any thoughts? Or even if you don't have an idea of what you think happened, how did you like the ending of it? Um, I was a little upset that he didn't go with Gina because it felt like he had this big kind of like personal reckoning with Theo and everything. And I was kind of hoping that he would be at the point where he could just like accept Gina's love. Mm. Um, So I was a little sad about that. But I also think that in the future that they'll get together. So when Theo says, oh, I'll let you decide what happens, you think that they did, in fact, get together? I think so. But Theo says she never saw Parco again. I don't know. I, I think they got together. Maybe Theo isn't around. I don't know. <laughs> but her and Gina are good friends. Yeah. Maybe Parco just sneaks in to see Gina. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to know my happy time fun theory? I do. Because normally I have the dark theories about every ending, but not this one. I think that this is a very happy ending. Ah. First, I do like that at the end, it gets to be Theo's story Uh because she was kind of the hero for most of the movie. Yeah. She saves Parco more times than Parco saves him, perhaps. Yeah. She saves him in the real way. Yeah. Because at the end, do you think that Parco is still a pig? Oh, I don't know. I didn't think about this. Maybe? I think he's a human. You think he turns human again? Yeah, because when Curtis says, hey, your face, come back here. Let me see your face. Mm. I think that was him changing. (gasps) He changed back into a human. He broke the curse. I assume. Did you not think that? I don't know. Maybe I missed that. But I hope that he turned back into a human. So everyone flies off and he says to Curtis, like the two of us are going to fly away and draw the Air Force towards us to let everyone else escape. And Porco is only shot from behind, and Curtis is just looking out. And then when Curtis looks over at him, he goes, your face! Porco then starts running to his plane, and Curtis chases after him, saying, let me see your face, let me see your face. Oh. 
So I think that last moment of his putting Theo onto Gina's uh, plane and those interactions that they have had, the fact that he was willing to fight for something finally, mm-hmm. not just for finances, but he was fighting for someone, something he that he really to believed in. Himself, yeah. And these two people, Gina and Theo, both see him as a human, mm-hmm. whether it's by using the name Marco or that time when Theo actually sees him as a person. I think that's what breaks the curse that he is now not acting like the pig. He's mm-hmm. allowed himself not to see himself just as a pig, but he sees his own value because of Gina and Theo seeing value in him. And right. I think this is the first time that he acknowledges it and maybe lets go of a little of that guilt mm-hmm. because he realizes that, yes, I am the only one still here, but maybe I can do something good with that. So I think that that's what breaks the curse. And Curtis sees it, and he's going to do one more selfless thing about drawing the army away. Mm -hmm. And that's why he puts Theo on the plane with Gina and sends them away. And then it's nice because Theo gets to tell the story. She says, I never saw Porco again. But I think she saw Marco after that. That's my theory. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot, actually. So because she gets to be good friends with Gina, which also I like is a little... A nice little touch because mm-hmm. those two, of course, they'd be friends. Yeah. Why not? And I'd like to see them do stuff together. I'm sure I that's also just nice. wanted Gina to be happy. Yeah. Because she deserves it. If that's not enough, when Theo is narrating about, did he ever come back? Well, that's, I'll never tell or whatever it mm-hmm. was. It's this really wide shot of the island and you get to see the hotel on the front and there's all the planes there. And then there's the garden is in the back area. Porco's plane is parked by the garden. Mm-hmm. There, there's a red seaplane parked there. And it's the only one on that side because Gina always talked about, it. I just wish one day he would just come here to the garden. I know that broke my heart. I think he does. Ah! I think he does. I hope so. I like your, I want to go with your ending. I think it's all there. I really do. I don't think it's as ambiguous if you really look for it. Because I think his face changing seems explicit because Curtis sees it and he runs away and they never show his face again. Right. And why would you not show the main character's face for that much time at the end of a yeah. movie? I think it's because of that. And I think you can explain away the I never saw Porco again. And I think that red plane at the garden, that has to be him. Yep. Done. Yep, I'm in. Happy ending. Happy ending. All right, well, I'm done. Yeah, yeah uh, I think I am too. Well, now that it is a happy ending movie, does that change your overall opinion at all? Um, No, I think I'm going to stay where I am. That you pretty much like it. Yeah. Okay. Do you still love it after all these years? After all these years, years. I do. I like that this one is kind of the weird one in Miyazaki's Mm -hmm. catalog. I like so much about it. And it just doesn't make a lot of sense to talk about. If you just say, oh, it's the one about the fighter pilot who's a pig. Mm -hmm. It doesn't sound great in a lot of ways. (laughs) But it's so much better than the sum of its parts, perhaps, because it has those like really disparate elements. It's romantic, but there's no lust. It's about war, but there's no death. It's both historical and fantastic. And somehow it's still political, but escapist. Mm -hmm. It's so sad and lonely at times, but I feel like it's 
ultimately a very optimistic movie. And I think because it does such subtle and complicated things, like showing two sides of something and really showing a very nuanced take on something as big as war and like, what does war mean? What does Mm -hmm. it do to people? It's doing it in this like 85 minute cartoon about a flying pig. And neither part of that suffers. If you don't look for any of that, it's fine. And you'll have so much fun with this flying pig movie. But there's just so much there for like nerds like me to like sit and think (laughs) about, right? And I think this movie is better upon multiple rewatches. And there's just so much more depth than you'd expect. And yeah, yeah, I love this movie. It's great. It's so good. I uh, love your enthusiasm for it. Thanks. And also, if you described this movie as a war movie at the beginning to me before we'd seen it, I uh, probably would have thought of a completely different movie. Yeah. For some of the things that these people say are so dark and yeah. so sad. Yeah. And then you have these five-year-olds jumping off the wing of a plane and <laughs> swimming. And it's, yeah, it balances all of these really strange things all together so well. Mm-hmm. I agree. And that's why you love it. That's why I like it quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. but. Don't worry, you can join us again next week where we will each have a spoiler-free thing of the fortnight and Sam will let us know what the big watch is for the week after that. Do you want to know what the theme is? Are we doing a theme? Yeah. Okay, what is it? It's a theme month again. Okay. Um, It's time for Keanu month. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> You picked Animal Month and I got on board and now you're picking Keanu Month. Yeah. So then I had to pick a Keanu Reeves movie. Yes. And two Keanu things of the Fortnite. No, I think we can let that go because I feel like there isn't that many Keanu things, but... Do you know... Oh, I was going to ask which movie you're going to pick, but I'm I'm not uh, committing to doing a Keanu movie just yet. Okay. I'll see what you pick and do something that's a takeoff on that. Either it'll also start Keanu or maybe uh-huh. it'll be something from the same time or okay. something with similar themes. Sounds good. Or I might just do whatever I want. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We make the rules as we, we go. We are allowed to do whatever we want on our own podcast. Oh, and you know what we want to do? We want to start doing maybe three movies on a theme and yeah. let you all pick one. But you can't come and be on the podcast because... Uh, we only have two mics is the main reason. Yeah. But we will take, if you write a little paragraph about why we should do a movie, we'll read that out and then we'll do that movie. Yeah, absolutely. We want to know why you think it would fit in. Yeah. Why do you love it? And why should we too? Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, we'll see you next week for pre-Keanu episode. Bye, everyone. Goodbye. Bye.